Today we will experience a transformation, a barrier removed and a transformation of a community. We're going to get a glimpse of the radical grace that God shows to and through all people. Our summer worship series is titled Preach It. It is a journey through Acts. Last week we ended in chapter 9. Uh, this week we're in chapter 11. And if you read from chapter 1 to chapter 11, it would take you about 30 to 45 minutes. But let me catch you up. Jesus has ascended. The Holy Spirit has descended. And as I read through Acts, there's, uh, there are these summary verses that talk about the the church what the church is up to and so this is this is a summary of the church the church is marked with being in awe at what god is doing the believers are meeting regularly they are united in heart and mind they are testifying to the resurrection of jesus miracles signs and healings are taking place in the name of jesus and then there's a brief period of time when the believers are persecuted and they're scattered. And in the midst of that being persecuted and being scattered, they are boldly preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. The church experiences some peace after Saul's conversion and the church grows strong. The Holy Spirit is encouraging and the church is growing in number all the way from Acts chapter 2 all the way through Acts chapter 10. Last week we heard about Saul's transformation. He went from being a persecutor of Jesus' followers to being a promoter of Jesus. Not everyone welcomed his conversion or his message. One day he woke up and there was wanted posters all over town with his picture and a bounty on his head. He escaped town under the cover of darkness, being let down by a basket through a hole in the city wall. He made his way to Jerusalem to where the disciples were, and he was suspected to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. But finally, he was accepted when Barnabas told of Saul's story. The scene moves from Jerusalem to Caesarea Maritima. That's a Roman city located on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea. It is a primary Roman city with major administrative and a harbor there. When I went in 2018 on a Holy Land tour, I went to Caesarea Maritima. There's a large amphitheater. So imagine sitting in an amphitheater made out of rock that faces the Mediterranean Sea. There's some kind of performance going on down before you. Modern times, it may be a, some kind of a concert with lights. And a breeze is coming off the Mediterranean. Some folks say that you don't even need a whole lot of sound system to be able to be heard in that, in that uh, uh, amphitheater. Near that amphitheater is a uh, hippodrome where they raced horses and chariots. I walked uh, myself in that town of Caesarea Maritima. So we go to Caesarea Maritima. In this section of Acts, it's one of the most important parts of the whole book. Here the gospel goes out directly to a Gentile, that would be a non-Jewish person, and his household for the first time. 
God is up to something big. This is a turning point. This is a movement that is God-directed. And there are some barriers, and they're about to be moved. We are introduced to Cornelius, a Roman military officer who would have had some sense of social status. Scripture says that he is devoted to God, and he shows that through giving generously and praying to God at three in the afternoon. Already in Acts, at three in the afternoon, we have seen a 40-something-year-old man who was lame from birth be healed through by Jesus when Peter and John were headed to the temple to pray at guess what time? Three o'clock. Maybe we need to pay attention when somebody goes to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe more than that, maybe this is some kind of God-designed time, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we as a congregation need to stop and pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. If it is as simple as saying, come, Holy Spirit. So as we're reading through Acts, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The prayer time at 3 o'clock. We can expect something to happen. As Luke tells the story of Jesus in the book called, titled Luke, the gospel according to Luke, and Acts, the story of the early church, there's a connection between prayer and spiritual events. At Jesus' baptism, Jesus is baptized and he prays and the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit descends. Jesus prays and then selects his disciples. Jesus prays, and then Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus prays, and he is transfigured, and there appear Moses and Elijah on the mountain. Jesus prays while he's in the garden and sweats blood. Before Pentecost, the believers prayed, and they were united. After Peter and John were released from prison, the believers prayed, and the Holy Spirit shook the place. Did you hear my announcements early on about this week? Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, praise, pizza, and prayer. I'm going into that event expecting something miraculous to happen. Not only are we praying, but for the Holy Spirit to descend in a powerful way that a spiritual event would happen in our fellowship hall while we would come together and pray together. What about Friday and Saturday night, a prayer vigil? What if all it takes is for God's people, First United Methodist Church, to come together and pray together for some, some bonds to be loose, for some chains to be broken, for this community to, to turn its eyes upon Jesus? What if it's up to us, for us together, come together in prayer, for Jesus to do something magnificent in our community? I heart Mealtown. It starts with prayer. Cornelius, a Gentile, a non-Jew, prays, and he has a vision. He's met in this vision by God's emissary, a messenger, an angel, and the message is this. Go get Simon Peter. He will tell you how to be saved. So Cornelius sends his emissaries to where Peter is staying in a town called Joppa. 
In Joppa, about noon, Peter goes to the roof to pray. It would be a flat roof. And while the meal is being prepared, he falls into a trance, which is another expression for a vision. So if you're reading from Genesis through the Bible and you get to Acts, and you come to these two visions in a trance, it's not unusual for God to speak and to lead through dreams and visions. If you were to read the Bible in its entirety, it would seem to happen all the time throughout Scripture. So we come to Acts for these two, dream, these two visions and dreams, and we need to pay attention because something miraculous, something special is about to happen. Peter's vision shows the arrival of a new era, and it's not, about, it's not just about food consumption. You see, there's this problematic relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. There is this hope also that many of the Jews had that at the end of the age, God would bring vindication against the Gentiles. Jesus is Lord of all, but who is the all? For the Jewish Jesus followers... Until about 11.59 on that day, that all did not include the Gentiles. This vision shows that God through Jesus includes reconciliation and compassion for all who respond. That the church is a thriving institution that is designed for Jews and Gentiles by God's plan and by God's action. Do you remember Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. The Greek word there for nations is etho, ethno, eth, ethnos. There we go. Ethnos. It means tribe and nation, people groups, the human family. It's the word from which we get our English word ethnic. If Jesus is Lord of all, then the gospel can go to all. But there's a problem. The Jews are prohibited from having table fellowship with Gentiles. You couldn't go have lunch or have supper at a Gentile's house. There's the probable risk of becoming unclean, that their food may have been sacrificed to an idol. In Peter's dream, God removes this impossible, unbreakable barrier. And it frees Peter from any moral issues about going into a Gentile home. God directs and confirms this effort to expand the gospel. Peter is pondering the vision when there is a knock at the door. It's the emissary that Cornelius sent. And Peter immediately responds, and he goes without hesitation with this group of four, along with six Christian brothers, to Cornelius' house. Peter does the taboo thing, once prohibited, now permitted. And this is what he tells them. He says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is a message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. 
You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. And they put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Now, if you've tracked along with us throughout these, these sermons and testimonies and reports throughout Acts, you know that at the end of these sermons, there is a call to repentance that accompanies the gospel. It doesn't happen this time. Scripture says that as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening on the message. The Holy Spirit fell before Peter could give the invitation. Hallelujah. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. That happened back at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. So Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? And so he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Peter went back to Jerusalem, and there in Jerusalem he meets Mr. and Mrs. Criticism. Do you know Mr. and Mrs. Criticism? The Holy Spirit's been working on me for a long time to get rid of Mr. and Mrs. Criticism in my life. Mr. and Mrs. Criticism are hot. Peter has gone into the house of a Gentile, and he has eaten from their table. This is uncalled for. He has to defend himself. Now we turn to Peter's report to the church. I invite you to take into your hand our bulletin and our insert this morning. The bulletin, we want to pray a prayer to the Holy Spirit together. Let us pray together. Holy Spirit, our teacher, as we dive into the Bible, come awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity today. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. And then in your insert, I want to begin with verse 5. I was in the town of Joppa 
And while I was praying, I went into a trance and I saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky and it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles, and birds. And I heard a voice say, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat them. No, Lord, I replied. I I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice from heaven spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This happened three times before the sheet, and all it contained was pulled back into heaven. Just then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me. And we soon entered the house of a man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told him, Send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you how how you and everyone in your household can be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as He fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when He said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift He gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, We can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. So we want to pause here and allow the Holy Spirit to be our instructor. Continue a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Maybe using the questions on the front that says, drink deeply. Take a moment and just pick a question or two and have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Seeking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. There's some additional questions to consider. As I share these, just allow the Holy Spirit to to speak to you. How have you heard and responded to the Holy Spirit recently? How are you seeing God work in your life? What group of people have you excluded from sharing Jesus or praying for? What group of people do you have a bias toward?
Does our church demographics reflect our community's demographics? Who is missing? Who do we expect to be like us before they join us? Do we give off that vibe? What barriers exist in our congregational life that is keeping people from knowing Jesus as Lord? Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Let's take a few moments and confess our individual sins to the Lord Perhaps something in your conversation with the Holy Spirit just now has prompted a a point of confession for you. Just simply voice that to the Holy Spirit in prayer. Holy Spirit, bring to our mind a name and faces of those that we need to forgive. And if you have a situation in which you just do not want to forgive, just voice that. Just say, Lord, I don't want to forgive. Holy Spirit, bring to our mind name and faces of those that we suspect do not have a relationship with you, a saving relationship with you, that you are not their Lord and Savior. Lift up those names and faces to the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in how you might share God's extravagant grace with them. Holy Spirit, help us to stand amazed in what Jesus did for us. Each time we think of Jesus upon the cross dying for our sins to give us the free gift of salvation, the extravagant grace that we see displayed on the cross, Holy Spirit, help us to be amazed. Holy Spirit, help us to have our eyes opened to your movement, to miracles around us. Healed relationships. Help us to experience your amazing grace in amazing ways that we might stand amazed at who you are.